The tennis fundamentals, the serve, the volley, and the smash. This month we are doing tennis. What better way to take advantage of the great weather than with a game of tennis? I've no chance in the match. He's the number one in the world and I'm playing with the metal hit. Big dog, how we doing? Joe. It's Joe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought so. I thought it would be. How we doing? Great, man. Sun's shining, birds are chirping, living the life. Is that right? I figured you guys are probably covered in snow. Oh, yeah, we are. Yeah. <laughs> I'm channeling my uh, my summer vibes from the Aussie Open, man. Well, happy post-Australian Open. You loved it. You had an amazing time watching it, podcasting it, living it. Man, great tournament. I really had a lot of fun. I see uh, a lot of upsets, and then and then Joker wins another one. Incredible, man! For any longtime fans, they already know. But for any new fans, you predicted it. <laughs> I think the first episode, uh, you came out of the gate and you said that's that's how it's going to go down. <laughs> we got it on record, baby. Let's go. <laughs> Should have put a bet down. And uh, what about Sabalenka? How are you feeling about that outcome? Sabalenka, I'm super happy for her. As we mentioned last time, she on the last pod, she had some major yips issues on her serve last year. Seems to have gotten over it and route to her first Grand Slam championship. I'm I'm super happy for her. I thought she played great the whole tournament. The Russian controversy is not over. <laughs> I've read a couple think pieces. I'm not kidding, and I'm not bringing this just to start trouble on the podcast and get headlines, but uh, I've read a couple articles that are like um, other players, especially Ukrainian players, are salty because they say the Russian players shouldn't play. And then mm-hmm. I read that a couple of the Russian players are saying, listen, we don't have anything to do with this shit, and we're out of shape because we didn't get to play in a tournament or two. And, you know, it's huge that we're even winning anything because, like, we're, we're, we're sort of getting dogged on out here by the, the globe. So it, she's, uh, she's Belarusian, right? Is that Belarus that's part of, that's part of Russia? I don't know the geopolitics of it. <laughs> I, actually, I, really, I, I really don't. <laughs> but, and actually... I didn't expect to do this kind of thing for our podcast, but maybe like like Belarus is allied enough with Russia that uh, they are in the same boat. They're, they're also they're facing all the same um, bans and restrictions okay. as the Russian players. Yeah, so, okay. you know, good call out. She's not Russian, but um, I mean, I don't know if this country's like they're just selling arms or doing trade or or if like. I hadn't I hadn't heard of this country as like a like a Hong Kong situation where it's really part of Russia, but but fuck, I don't know anything to be honest. Mm, with you. I guess I I didn't know that. Maybe maybe I shouldn't be so happy for. Her. Belarus is just it's on the western border of Russia and it shares the north border with Ukraine. Russia used Belarus as a springboard to invade Ukraine last February. Mm, okay. Oh, yeah, maybe I spoke too soon then. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not happy for Hey, we... I do, I do like, uh, I love to see someone overcome the yips, though. Those, that's tough. 
that's really tough. Love to see those demons exercise. Well, of course it'd be tough because if you fixed it for two years and then one time you hit it in the net, how would you not go back to it? Right. Yeah. It's a man. And like sports is so, uh, it's the six inches between the ears, man. It's uh, it's crazy. But yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I'm mansplaining, but for anyone who doesn't know, the yips is like um, you're unable to perform a really simple athletic task. So there are pitchers in baseball who sometimes you have to throw the ball to first base on a really easy out and they kind of can't do it. And they have to do it like they got to run all the way over there and throw it like a potato. Um, And yeah, there's servers and tennis who they start to and actually many amateur servers myself included uh but but even it even affects the highest of pros where you stop hitting your first serve and then you go okay i'll just hit the second serve but then we start missing that um yeah you get in your own head and you just you have a big problem on your hands other other or like you drop a ball i don't know other examples from sports joe so like in golf sometimes like uh they'll miss like really short putts and like uh, your baseball one, like sometimes catchers uh, like can't throw it back to the pitcher, but they can throw it on a on a line to second base, which is like tw- twice as far as throwing it back to the pitcher. So it's just super weird, and it's always like you know they've been doing this their entire lives, and then for some reason out of nowhere they just can't do it. It's all it's all in the head. There's no nothing physical about it. It's just super weird. It's one of those things like when you try to tie your shoes and you think about it for a second, you're like, <laughs> oh, God, <laughs> I'm just not going out today. But anyway, to, to circle back, we want to make it clear that we don't know the individual stances or feelings. We haven't done enough research. We don't have enough time. Uh, we got day jobs to, to know where all the Russian and Belarusian players are on, on all this stuff going on. But we like to have villains, so we pick on them a little bit. Maybe that's exploitive, but it's just a, it's just a starter podcast. So we like to set off some firecrackers from the get-go. So, you, you know, don't get in our business about it. Um, you'll read the same articles we do. We're not the only ones doing it. Enjoy the show. I like it. Well said. Thanks, Joe. Okay, so to recap Australian Open, we're a couple days late because the outcomes, some of them were kind of so obvious that we didn't jump on. We didn't have to have an emergency post-NFL uh, conference championship playoffs Monday morning podcast, which, <laughs> I, I mean, I would have been a little sluggish in. So we're a couple days out, but uh, I wanted to go through just a couple – just big themes coming out of it since we, we got into the nitty gritty last episode with a lot of the characters and a lot of people that were making runs and, and a lot of different games. Let's just talk about big themes and kind of what it means for the rest of the season. And where I want to start is uh, it's a little bit elementary, but I just want to run back uh, where the women's top 10 stands after this, tournament of points going all over the place and and a lot of, as you mentioned, surprising outcomes. Mm -hmm. Uh, As we've talked about before, how far do you go in the tournament? How many points you're going to score? You have points left over from the last 365 days, and those are going to start to expire. 
uh, as the days go on and as the next tournament comes up and you have to win it again if you want to maintain those points. But we saw uh, really high seeds with a lot of points go down. Um, and very notably, very notably, we saw Elena Rabakina play in the final. Yes. And we need, we need to keep mentioning this because we're starting to understand this better. Our listeners are starting to understand this better. She won Wimbledon last year. And going back to the same theme that we're being so apologetic to bring up, she didn't score any points for winning Wimbledon because the Russian and Belarusian players were not allowed to play. You can look it up yourself. We've talked about it enough. But all of the points is a little bit chaotic on the women's side for that reason a lot, wouldn't you say? Yeah, and the and the men's as well. It's a uh, yeah. There's some weird some weird stuff there. Sure, that- the men's as well. But if if Medvedev have had won, right. and he's under seeded, that's that's a lot stranger than what's going on over here. Oh, I see. What you're, yeah. Okay. Yeah. She's Rebac- she's Rebac- one of us. She's a slam winner. Yeah. I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna start it off right now. Yeah. She's uh. So she after going to a final, which. You know, looking at the seeds, you wouldn't understand, but we have come to understand. She has elevated herself from deep in uh, deep in the twenties to she's number ten now. Okay, wow! So huge for her, and a rivalry building between her and some of the other top girls on this side. Belinda Bensich, Bensich, the part of Switzerland, you know, not an easy uh, medal to pick up on her side. Uh, but you watched a little bit of her. You liked her, right? Yeah, I like it. I'm a Belinda fan, yeah. So she had a good tournament. She's up to number nine. Mm. I have Daria Kazatkina yes. from Russia. She went down in the first round of the oh. Australian Open. Didn't score any points. She had enough left over from last year, late last year, to she's up at number eight. I'm going to skip out of my, uh, my running through the top ten really quick because so many of what I'm looking at in the top ten, actually, they kind of underperformed in this tournament. Mm. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run down uh, past the ten and tell you who scored a lot of points for themselves to get nearer to the top ten. Mm. You were a big fan of Yelena Ostapenko. Ostapenko, uh, yeah. Boosted herself up five spots for getting to the semi. Love it. Victoria Azarenka went up eight spots. Jeez. And the last one I'll bring up is Magda Lynette. Mm. We talked about her before, right, Joe? We did, yeah. We'll be talking about her uh, a little bit later today, too. All right. That's what I like to hear. All right. Top seven. Breakpoint curse. Maria Sakari from Greece. She is, I'm going to go ahead and say my favorite non-American female player. Wow. Okay. Big love from you. I yeah, like she's, she's fun. She's feisty. And uh, she, yeah, she had a rough turn. I, I would have liked to see her go further, but um, she's cool. Number six is Coco Goff. 
She actually boosted herself a spot in this tournament, Joe. Yeah, I'm surprised by that. I feel like she went out in the fourth round, right? Yeah, and it's disappointing, I think, only in the fact that we expect her. Mm-hmm. What, I, what I've said to someone about why I'm such a Coco supporter is that of any American player right now, men's and women's, she's not the highest ranked uh, on the female tour. And there's, you know, some pretty exciting guys. If anybody's going to win a slam in the next two years, that's who I would put my money on. Okay. I think I'd agree with you there. We're talking American men's or women's. That's right. Yeah. I think I'd probably agree with you. So we see her at six. Um, Doesn't really matter. I mean, we're high enough that really we're hoping to just see champions. Uh, Caroline Garcia from France at number five. Mm. Jessica Pagula had an excellent tournament. All of our support at Talking Tennis. I'm... (laughs) I barely want to call it that anymore. I know we have to change the name. <laughs> we had all our support behind her. Uh, she eventually went down to Azarenka in the quarterfinal. Top three. Anz Jabour, the darling of break point. Uh, we still have high hopes for her. Yeah, I don't know what happened this tournament. As you said, in the offseason, you know, we all get a, a little loosey-goosey. It happens. <laughs> The victor, Arena Sabalenka at number two. And Sviatek, after her huge year last year, still has far, far, far more points than anybody else. So she'll pretty much last out this entire season as a one seed. But I basically am looking at Sabalenka and Sviatek and Rabakina. I, w- I want to say Jabour is in the crowd, but it doesn't feel that way right now. It's huge for us to understand what's going on in women's tennis. Who between these three wins more slams this year? Give me the three. Sviatek, Sabalenka, and Rabakina. Mm. Uh, I, mm. I w- I'm going to go uh, – I would go Rabakina. I think R- Rabakina, she, I think she could win Wimbledon and the U.S. Open. Schwartzak will probably win the French. I love that. We're going to be watching this closely. It, a, a sort of triumvirate is starting to form. I'm, Joe, I'm sorry I walked all over you the first 30 minutes of the podcast. Any Anything from the women's, uh, just top 10 hard hitters in the, in the like semis and finals that, that you want to bring up right now? I, I, Rabakina is very impressive. She's all power. So is Sabalenka. They're both big. I think they're both six footers. So they uh, they can pack a punch. I completely agree with your point about Coco uh, being the uh, the next American men's or women's to win a win a slam. She uh, she had a rough match in that fourth round against Ostapenko. Ostapenko really brought it that that match. So that would it would have been tough for anyone to win there. Um, that's about all I've got. Let me look at my uh, notes here. Um, yeah, that's pretty much all I've got for the women's. But we can get to – so I did uh, I did want to bring up a point about uh, – so players that caught our eye or that we're excited to watch going forward. Yeah. 
All right. So my number, I'll, I'll start with, uh, I'll start with the men and then finish with the women. So okay. my number one guy, I was unaware of this guy going into the tournament. I can't wait to watch what he does for the rest of this year, the rest of his career. Yuri Lahechka from the Czech Republic made it to the quarters, bowed out to Sitsipas in the quarters, had some really nice wins over some good players, got a complete game. He's a good server, good ground strokes, good defender. He's uh, He's got it all. Um, and then, of course, I really was impressed with – the young American men, the Corda, Shelton, JJ Wolf, and Jensen Brooksby. Yeah. I, man, I, so I think they could, all four of those guys could, uh, could really contend in some slams here going forward. Am I, am I wrong there? Uh, so we know that Brooksby's a little older, right? I know. He's a, he's a youngster. I think he's like maybe 22. Shelton, yes. Seems <laughs> yeah. like an immediate superstar. He's the man. And I want to call out, because I didn't get the chance to, his attire, his fits, his style. What he's going for out there on the court is like, um, we booked a court for Sunday, like, show up if you can. <laughs> he's wearing like a t-shirt with like the ringed collar, you know? Yeah. And like that. short shorts that are like from Pac Sun and like <laughs> bracelets, and he's and he's playing really good. <laughs> he is playing great. I actually heard. I think they said so. He's with New Balance, and uh, they're actually making like a Ben Sheldon line that's not ready yet. So he's gonna like have his own line of uh, tennis clothing in a few oh, months, I believe. It's stressful to me because I want to get. I mean, it's it's a choice of style over substance, but I would buy. I don't want to say it on the podcast in public, but I would buy the Shelton clothes before I would buy the JJ Wolf clothes. It doesn't <laughs> confer with my identity as much, but I mean, yeah, it's got better style. <laughs> I so I uh, I loved uh, what Shelton was wearing that that New Balance fit. I think Tommy oh, Paul was wearing the same thing. Sorry. Apologies to listeners. Tommy Paul is who I was thinking of because he went the furthest, right? And he's the oldest. Yeah, he's the older, the elder statesman. And yeah. he and he got knocked down by Djokovic. So um, go back. I I don't I don't think JJ Wolf probably has a slam type of chance in him. I think Shelton does. I think Corda does. He's yeah. got the sort of body for it. So yes. Um, who's the last person that I had previously denied? Jensen Brooksby. You think so with Brooksby and his funny game? I think he's – man, you said it. It's a, definitely a funny game. Uh, I think he's a contender. I definitely think he could – like uh, he'll be perennial quarters, maybe semis guy in the slams. I don't wow. – and I would love to see him uh, hoist a trophy someday, but he's just got – man, that serve just is not good. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I don't know. Maybe Maybe if he improves that. He's got everything else. But we'll see. Well, you're 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 all hot and bothered off of this exciting Australian Open. But what does all this make you say about Tiafo and Fritz? I mean, if you had to add them to the bunch, if you had to pick two out of the now six that we've talked about, um, I'm t- I'm taking Tommy Paul back out. Uh, who 
would you put your money on to win a slam if you had to put money on two? To win to win the the first one to win a slam or just any of them in their career? Any of them in their career. I'd say Corda and probably Shelton. Wow. Are we is is has a generation already turned? We're already done with Siafo and Fritz. No, I, no. I think they're going to have extremely successful careers, and they, I could see either of them maybe winning a slam. And like, if, if the question was who's the next player to win a slam, yeah, I, I might say one of them. But I'm I'm more confident that Corda or Sheldon will win one over the course of a career. I really think Corda and Sheldon will both win slams in their careers and and i, I think uh taylor fritz and tiafo could but I, i'm more confident in Corda and sheldon but i think it'll be a couple of years although Corda made it to the what the the quarter sheldon was in the quarters too yeah so i don't know maybe sooner rather than later maybe i'm wrong i really appreciate you taking a stand that that was a huge statement that was <laughs> do you uh you disagree you're on the- no i don't i just i like i like the parameter that you put on it that uh fritz and tiafo could do it but you're more it's more likely if you had to play the numbers game not sooner but more likely overall that shelton and quarter would do it right yeah exactly i like that take a lot (laughs) (laughs) Uh, okay so players that caught my eye slash i'm excited to watch going forward on the women's side let's hear it We've I've been gushing about her for a couple episodes now. Ostapenko, man. Yeah. I just like I watched like the entire Coco Golf Ostapenko match. It was incredible. She was uh, as Cole I was texting Cole during it and he said uh, spraying rockets. She was spraying rockets all <laughs> over the court, man. It was it was really like a, a sight to behold. Just sheer power. Uh so I'm definitely excited to keep watching her. Uh we mentioned her at the uh, at the outset, yeah, let's Magda, do it. Magda Lynette to the semis. Now, I was not familiar at all with Magda. She's thirty years old, has never been past the third round of a slam. Now <laughs> into, the, into the semis of the Aussie Open, uh, completely reinvented herself. Uh, I think the the broadcast team was saying she's in much better shape. I I. I'm very excited to watch her going forward. I love to see uh, somebody that hasn't had maybe the success they wanted, and now they're kind of blossoming later in their career. I love that. Um, so, yeah, definitely excited to watch her going forward. Um, can Sabalenka keep it going? We'll see. Uh, obviously, it's a lot of the mental stuff with her. So, sometimes, like, success can uh, exacerbate the yips. Ooh. So, we'll see. We'll see if she can keep it going. I would not wish the yips on anyone. Um, so yeah, we'll see. We'll see uh, how she does going forward. Can Coco bounce back? Very. I, she was very disappointed in her uh, her post match press conference. Uh, I think she teared up at one point. I'm sure she will. I, I'm sure she will bounce back. But definitely a disappointing tournament for her. I think she had some some much higher hopes than the fourth round, which is like. <laughs> You know, most players would love a, to go to the fourth round of a slam, but I mean, I think she's got her eyes set on higher goals. And then, uh, how does Iga respond? 
after she uh, went out in the fourth round as well, which was definitely super disappointing for her. Who she's you know holds herself to a super high standard. Um, she had like such a dominant 2022 season. Um, how does she handle uh, maybe a little uh, disappointment here in the early goings? But she's she'll be back on clay for the French, so that's I think that's her surface. So who knows? Maybe she'll respond well. And then my uh, I'll go ahead. Are are we calling it uh, if we do see Magdalenette again? You know, making it into the late rounds, into the second week of a tournament, and Sviatek continuing to dominate. Are we calling it the Polish new wave? <laughs> the Polish new wave, dude. I love it. It's a so there. There are a lot of Polish fans there. Uh, this uh, in like the quarterfinal, semifinal rounds. Ton of Polish fans down in Australia. I guess they had a yeah they had Lynette and a, a couple others but yeah they come out and support man they must have a good airline over there <laughs> my last one I'm excited to uh, to watch going forward we we talked about her last episode Katie Volling Nets I was uh, yes I'm not, not familiar with her the young American she uh, she's got a nice game so yeah hopefully she can uh, get things going and get her career off to a good start. The only thing I'll add, and it's it's pointless because we'll beat this into the ground by the time we're talking about French Open on the podcast. Um, the French Open final last year, I had a great time watching it. Iga, Sviatek, and Coco Goff. Mm. Dude, I might have to get some New Balance stuff for uh, tennis. Yeah. It seems like Ben Shelton has actually signed an endorsement deal with a company called On, O-N. I googled Ben Shelton New Balance, and the first thing that pops up is, well, it's actually something called Talk Tennis, so we should probably really think about changing the name of the podcast. But, uh, yeah, he signed a clothing and shoe deal with On starting in 2023. And then the second response is, now, if they can just make some tennis shoes under $200 that last longer than one match. What, what were you saying? I was just saying, um, it's like on clouds. I don't know if you guys have heard of those, but they're like hookahs. Like everyone's like every girl I know is obsessed with like oh. either they, their shoes are like called cloud shoes. So they're called on, everyone calls them on clouds, but they're like very similar to hookahs and like the girls are just obsessed with them. So figured oh. I would let you know. Love that insight. <laughs> Great guest. I don't, I don't know many girls, so I wouldn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like it. Sounds like a a good deal. Sounds like Shelton knows what he's doing. That's right. I I don't know if uh, Cole have ons uh, made it to Iowa. I've never uh, I've never heard of this. They're not even making it onto like my Google search. I was trying to track down. I, it's too like common of a word. That's like if I ever start a clothing line, it's got to be more distinct. That's not very SEO ready. Well, you know who should you know who should get a, a pair of signature ones? Oh, Ans Jabor. <laughs> <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> get a pair of Ans Ans. <laughs> Try them Ans. <laughs> Man, markets itself. Thanks, Sophia, for the we'll, we'll call it a different perspective from the uh, group of extremely similar individuals that we got to provide perspectives on this podcast. First guest on the pod. I have seen these shoes. I know what that brand is because their logo it 
kind of looks like Kevin Durant's clothing line logo. And so I've always wondered what, because I saw them. Actually, I was just directing a shoot yesterday, and the talent had a pair of shoes. like, And I was like, that logo is so familiar. And sure enough, they're ons. Huh. I just looked him up. I've never seen this before. Okay, now look up Kevin Durant logo and tell me they're not <laughs> like the exact same. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty close. Wow. They might have a lawsuit on their hands. When I was in high school, I only wore Sperry's for every single occasion. <laughs> That's great, man. And I wore and I wore blue jeans and Sperry's. And I thought I was a stylish person, not because I thought blue jeans and Sperry's were stylish, but I thought that the only way to express your style was the top half of your body. <laughs> so the shirts and the hats, oh, absolutely. Uh, choice for that you know sort of a indie sleaze generation but then just always jeans fairies to tie it together at the bottom <laughs> you gotta get that blow the waist going man <laughs> starts with the american eagle belt i mean come on <laughs> are you a are you a ripped jeans guy yes okay you buy them pre-ripped I would. I don't have a pair now, but I wouldn't scoff at it. Okay. That's something I don't think I would do. You got ugly knees, Joe. I, I got to hide my knees, man. Okay. Welcome to second half. For anybody listening, you didn't know it was the second half. It's clean fidelity right through, but we all took a break and chilled out. I wanted to address the obvious sort of the elephant in the room and not, and I'm not saying that because Djokovic has a big old nose, but uh, it's one of the turn ons and turn offs of modern men's tennis women's for a while too with Serena, but men's way more. Uh, there's just a goat factor. There's been the same couple of guys winning every tournament since any of us can remember. If you are listening to a podcast, then you've never seen anybody win other than the same three guys. And I wanted to just run through some stats about the Djokovic goat question uh, after this recent slam win. Joe Holman, you predicted it. Any other – you want to go deeper in on anything about Djokovic winning here? So, we're going to get to it. He's, he's the GOAT, in my opinion. He's goaded. Wow. <laughs> this is 10th Aussie Open singles title. I believe uh, – I mean, that's, that's definitely the most on the men's side. I believe second is Federer with six. So, big gap there between first and second. So, he's dominated the Aussie Open here. Um, he uh, – he won in straight sets over Sitsipas in the final. Two of them did go to a tiebreak, but still straight sets. Uh, in his post-match speech, he called it the biggest victory of his life due, due to uh, some uh, circumstances that he didn't mention. He said only his team and his family knows what he's been going through in the last four to five weeks. I don't know if he's just talking about the injury or something else. Maybe it is just the injury. Um, but I was very surprised that he said that, considering – He's had so many great matches against both Roger and Rafa. So I was just very shocked that he said that. I guess he does He does get to 22 all-time 
Grand Slam singles titles, which is tied for the most all time on the men's side with with uh, Nadal. So that's something. Um, I don't know if you saw if you watched like the post after he won. Super emotional. Had a uh, one up in the stands with his family and his team. Super emotional moment. Was in tears. I mean, like really full fledged sobbing, and then went back down and sat on his bench by himself and just sobbed into a towel. So I and I've seen him win some. Uh, some slams where he's just like it's just another Tuesday for him. Not much emotion, but like I was so like I don't know what was going on. If he's just talking about the injury or if there's other stuff going on in his life or what. But very emotional win. He says biggest of his career. He's the goat in my opinion. I think he's going to win many more slams to come. Maybe maybe get to thirty. Do you think it has to do with the fact that at last year's Australian Open, he got sent home for not being vaccinated and he didn't get to participate? He was almost going to, uh, well, actually, the year before, he almost completed the calendar slam Mm. and he lost to Medvedev in the U.S. Open. He comes back. He's primed to win uh, Australia. He gets, I don't know how his team didn't figure this out before, but he literally goes all the way to Australia. They send him home. do you think that left a bad taste in his mouth and he had to come out with a vengeance this year? Yeah, that's a great point. I think he did mention that in his speech too. I think uh, I think that's your spot on there. I think that definitely played a part. All of his uh, fans are really strong too. Yeah. They, they come out and he really feeds off of them, waving the flag. They, they were – I think they felt that same uh, sort of like – stick itiveness coming back triumphantly and winning this year after I think, well, not only he was sent home, but you have to imagine some of them who mm. had the wherewithal and the money to go to the early rounds to go and catch him in Australia in 2022, they all had to go home. Right, right. So I think he had everybody behind him. Um, let, let's start with this. You said he just tied with Nadal for the most slams ever. You said he might get to 30, so you think it's a done deal. Um, for the purpose of listeners and people sticking around for this season and watching this GOAT battle, we have to at least pay a lot of attention to the French where Nadal has to be the favorite, right? Uh, you would think so. Obviously, he's coming. he'll be coming off an injury. Um I think uh, I think Nadal ends his career with either 22 or 23. I think this is his last chance to win a slam. Um, so he may he may win this one, but I think if he does, I think it's his last one, and he he may not. I I would put my money on Novak honestly, but Rafa will probably be the favorite. Do you think they'll be giving like the broadcasters will be giving Rafa that treatment where? You know, every, you know, in the second round, they're going, is this his last match <laughs> at, at French? Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, that'll be discussed throughout, I'm sure. They love building that drama. And you think they're, as far as you are, that it's probably over for him? Uh, as far as winning slams, yeah, I, I think so. He may, like, I could honestly see him retiring this year. He may play another year or two, but. As far as winning slams, I, I think this is his last chance at the French. But I could be wrong. He's uh, <laughs> he's obviously an incredible athlete. So, yeah. Well, I mean, let's talk about it. You said he's injured. So last year when he won, he literally, against Taylor Fritz, uh, 
or that was Wimbledon actually, where he laughed with an injury, came back and beat him and, and went to the final and won, right? Uh, not Wimbledon, I don't think. That may have been the French. I think uh, it was in Wimbledon. I think Novak beat Kyrgios in the Wimbledon final last year. Maybe it was to go to the semi. Good but day. at any rate, he was, you know, he's struggling. He was hurting, and he, he went out and won that big five-setter. Uh, in this tournament, um, Djokovic is, like, hobbling through. Our, our own intern, Cole, had said, oh, you know, it sounds like there was an injury that was stopping him in the early round, so maybe it's time to think about someone else. I mean, what does this say about Sissipas or anybody else who, who could have been a challenger that it still looked pretty easy for Djokovic. <laughs> Definitely did. I, so I saw online some, some people are questioning, some people in the tennis community are questioning uh, whether the injury was real or not. And apparently the Aussie Open director said uh, that the injury was real. There was a three-centimeter tear in the hamstring. Obviously, I, I don't know. I don't think Djokovic would lie about that. Maybe. I mean, we've seen crazier things in sports. But, yeah, there's so, some controversy, to your point, because he, lo- he looks so good and made it look so easy. Why it's, would the Aussie Open director have to comment on this? I don't know. But he uh, – I think <laughs> it's a good question. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I did uh, – I saw some articles where, yeah, he was, uh, he was quoted in them. And I, I guess uh, – I think he got his info like straight from the doctors or from the trainers. Um, and I'm, I'm sure they are not allowed to lie about that, but who, who... Hippocratic oath. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Do they have that all over the world though? <laughs> that's a good question. <laughs> I mean, I think the point is that I wouldn't, I think these people asking if the injury is real should be asking if Sissipas is, real whatsoever <laughs> so are, are you you're not a you're not a Sitsipas guy i'm not i was i actually i like watched one of the matches in australian open where he was um kind of taking care of business against an unseated guy and i was like he just doesn't look like he has the it factor to me mm. and i was impressed when i saw a lot of the other it factor guys fall and him make it to the final but then I mean, I, I, I'll admit it. I didn't. I didn't wake up in the wee hours of the morning to see what he looked right. like against Djokovic. But it's not much of a showing, is it? Right. Yeah. Straight sets. <laughs> I was not watching live either. Um, I guess two did go to a tiebreak. Uh, so sometimes maybe it was closer than it appeared. Um, but yeah, still straight sets against a guy with a torn hamstring. So, uh, who knows? I did see, did you see uh, Sitsipas uh, shooting a shot at Margot Robbie? No, let's hear that one. That's <laughs> great content. So this, so, this is after uh, after he won. It must have been either the quarters or the semis. I love the uh, the on, on-court interviews after they win, by the way. I think that's a great, great tennis thing. But in his, like, on-court interview... Uh, somehow it came up and he said Margot Robbie's his, or he said his favorite actress, Margot Robbie is from Australia. And like, uh, the interviewer asked him something else. Like, uh, I don't know what he said, but, uh, Sitsipas was like, I'd like to see her up in my box some days. Something like that. 
So yeah, I mean, that's that's fun. That's great. It's good content. If Tsitsipas dates Margot Robbie, I'll turn the ship entirely around. He'll he'll be one of the biggest people I root for. <laughs> I love Hollywood. I love Margot Robbie. Um, nice, just a loose shout out to the country of Australia. I mean, good reference. Yeah. Hey, who doesn't like Margot Robbie? Great actress. Barbie. It's uh, 23. Have you seen that? Is that out yet? No, it's it's this it's the it's the one of the big releases this year. Okay, I got you. I'll be going to it for sure. Well, it's not to get away from tennis. I know our fans are going to hit next, you know, <laughs> their phone against the wall. But it's uh, the release date. They're jokingly calling it the greatest day of film ever because the um, the new oh, Chris boy. Nolan movie Oppenheimer oh. and Barbie are released <laughs> on the same day. Oh boy. So we'll go spend, you know, six hours at the theater. <laughs> Yo, a little double feature. All right. Yeah. And you only you only buy one ticket and then you walk <laughs> to the next one. That mentality is that's why movie theaters are dying, Joe. That's right, man. You you uh you bring in some cheeseburgers in your pockets too. <laughs> <laughs> you bring your own snacks. Listen, <laughs> I am going to Barbie and then not paying the ticket to Oppenheimer to try and close the gap a little bit. <laughs> oh man. I actually, I actually will see both of those. <laughs> I think they look great. Even, even the Barbie movie. So what was the deal with, uh, like with the Barbie movie? I don't want to get too much away from tennis here, but was there some kind of like big controversy when they were filming it or something? Am I dreaming? I don't think so. I think people are just saying, "Why? Why'd you pick this?" And okay, will it be compelling? And okay, well, I'll, I'll be in attendance. All right, I'm going back to Djokovic stats. Some of them you already uh, mentioned here, and I'll, and I'll run through some good ones. <laughs> You're right. He has. He's just sticking to Australian goatness. Um, he has the most Australian Open slam wins of all time with 10. Federer's got six, as well as Aussie Roy Emerson mm. won a bunch in the 60s. Mm. Okay, so let me put it to you this way. In 2008, Djokovic won his first Australian Open. Since then, he's won 10 of 16 Australian Opens incredible really really high percentage um the other years that he didn't win he actually didn't perform that great it's not like he was losing in the final every single year besides that um he totally blew it a couple of years um lost in early rounds to someone that i didn't really recognize uh some of the better fellows that he lost to is stan warinka when he won mm, yep good player he lost to andy roddick Oh, let's go. He lost to Joe Wilfried Zorda. Zonga, yeah. Great Songa. Songa. Sorry about that. You're familiar? Yeah, I'm a big Songa guy. He's a great player. Uh, French. Yeah, he's all power, man. Last year is counting in this 10 of 16 when he got sent home for COVID. So this could nearly be 11 of 16. Yeah, wow. 
So really, really dominant. And, and going all the way back to the beginning of the timeline, in 2007, the year before he won in 2008, he was in the finals. He lost to Federer in the round of 16. I misspoke there, but you heard what I said. He lost to Federer. Uh, 2007, he wins in 2008, goes on to win the next nine of 15 after that. Wow. Wow. So you're already ready to say GOAT. Um, I'll give you just to gloss over it the uh, slam stats against the other two Mm. respective GOATs. Uh, versus Nadal, and this is in Grand Slam tournaments. Anytime they faced each other, uh, Djokovic is on the losing side, seven and eleven. Okay, but at the Australian Open, he's two and zero. Oh. Versus Federer, Djokovic is eleven and six at slams. Wow. At the Australian Open, he's four and one. So that first, that one we talked about in 2007, he loses. He beats Federer in four more of his 10 wins. Wow. Interesting. I would not have guessed that he's 11 and six against Federer at slams. That's interesting. Well, as long as you mention it, the only way that I can maybe provide some intrigue here and push up against the the GOAT conversation. As long as we're talking, like, Joe, I don't think I have the wherewithal, and I don't, I don't know if you do, to talk about, like, who is pound for pound <laughs> a better hitter of the ball or, like, who had all the shots versus who only had a couple of the shots. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm not, I, don't, I don't think I can speak at that level of intelligence. But So if we're kind of leaving it to the slams to tell us who are the best, The only other way I can address, like, other than the the sheer volume of slams you've won, and as we said, it's right now it's Nadal and Djokovic, and Djokovic will probably end up with the most, is who your competitors were, right? Mm, Okay. And so, uh, as I just mentioned, it sounds like Djokovic, yeah, he smoked Federer four to one, or... 11-6 Eleven to six in slams and four to one in Australian Opens, but this is toward the end of uh, Federer's career. It's, it's it's the it's the height of Djokovic's. Mm, that's a good point. Good point. Djokovic just beat Sissipas. You know he's uh, wants to date Margot Robbie, and we we hope it happens, but it doesn't sound like it's going to. Was Federer battling through like? Uh, Pete Sampras and Roddick and Murray, who who are better competitors, when he's winning some of his uh, what is it twenty slams back. Right. In the mm, this is interesting. I think that's the best argument for it. Um, Nadal has absolutely eaten up Federer many many times, so there's a great argument there. But obviously, he also has built a lot of his volume off of the French Open and the clay court. Right, yeah. So there's kind of like like threads to be pulled out of the sweater either way. That's a great point. And 
I think, uh, I mean, just like when we were talking about who's got all the shots, just like the most beautiful, like if I'm, if I'm trying to improve my tennis game, if I have a kid someday and I'm trying to show him or her how to play tennis, like I, I'm showing them Federer. I'm going Federer highlights. Nick Kyrgios. <laughs> For the serve, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just a beautiful striker of the ball, Roger Federer. And that's mm, that's a really good point about the competition. And the other thing is Federer did it first. So, you know, Nadal and Djokovic, have they, they got somebody to chase. So, it's you know, so it's harder to, like in the Tour de France, it's harder to be out in front. Rather than like you want to hang a little, a little behind the leader for a little bit, and then chase him and like pass him at the end. So I, I'll give Federer props for that for being the first. To, you know, he was like the goat there for a while, and then Nadal and Djokovic kind of, kind of caught up with him. But that's an interesting point about the competition. I, I did not think about that, huh? And you know, Federer and Nadal faced off so many times. You know, when they were both in their prime. Wow. I don't know. I just, like, <laughs> I do come back to, I mean, Djokovic is going to have way more slams. And I'll lay this on you. Okay, 2020, Wimbledon was canceled due to COVID. So Novak won the Australian in 2020 before COVID. COVID happened in March. French Open was actually postponed. Uh, Wimbledon was canceled. And then uh, at the U.S. Open, Remember, Djokovic was playing great, like in just dominating 2020. He was had 26 and 0 record in 2020. <laughs> was riding a 29 match win streak into the U.S. Open, uh, where he was disqualified. Remember, he hit a ball in frustration and like inadvertently, yeah, hit that lady's neck, blinds woman in the throat. So he was DQ'd. Probably would have won that. Uh, and then they, uh, <laughs> they, uh, she see. milked it a little bit, I have to say. <laughs> and then later, so that then they later played the French Open that year in September. It got postponed. Novak was in the finals, lost to Rafa. So, I mean, with Wimbledon being canceled, with him getting DQ'd in the U.S. Open in 2020, when he was playing so well, he could easily have 24 right now. Yeah. I, yeah, that's a really good point. So who knows? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I, I don't think I know enough about tennis. Maybe. Well, the only hope that, or, or one of the hopes other than our, our cogent arguments against, uh, against Djokovic that, that Rafa and Roger have is, come on, somebody else other than Sissipas. Is Medvedev ready to get angry again and go, you know, win two out of the next three tournaments this year or, or, you know, one of the young American players, man. Yeah. Or is, or is, or is Djokovic just picking them up all year long? I, I think, I think Djokovic is winning a lot of matches this year. I think it's, it's his to win. Um, you know, the, this injury is interesting. Hamstring can linger. So who knows what's up with that? But uh, I think it's, it's his, his to win. I think he's still, Great physical condition. Who knows how many more years he has, but I think uh, Novak's going to dominate this year. But there, I mean, Medvedev's right there. Obviously, sits passes in the finals. There's a lot of good players out there. Are you giving any love in the GOAT debate to uh, Sampras or John McEnroe? Rod Laver? 
I, I, again, I don't think I have enough to say. Um, I'm just kind of following the crowd, but I will remind the listener that uh, we're, and I, I feel the same about basketball. So we're watching, you know, the last 10, 20 years, it's like, geez, it's the same couple of guys that win every single slam. Um, they must be the goats. If you go back to the eighties and the nineties and the seventies, it's kind of the same case, isn't it? It's, it's a hand, like, Tennis is such such an exacting game that it this is not unprecedented that you see the same guys winning double digit amounts of slams. Right. Yeah, it's happened before, obviously. The yeah, for sure. Jimmy Connors, the McEnroe Bjorn Borg rivalry where they seemingly were winning every slam there for a while. Uh yeah, that's a good point. I'll finish with this uh, before we, you know, hear if you have any other thoughts on the Australian Open. Um, For the first time at the gym today, I tried, and I did this specifically because I had seen Djokovic doing it. Like, when (laughs) when they show, like, they're preparing for the match, and it's like one match is ending, and they're like, we're going to get Djokovic soon. Um, And I tried to do, like, side steps on mm. the treadmill okay you know like shuffling right and it was really hard and it's like dizzying and it's like i was like i'm probably gonna fall off <laughs> and i and when i would turn forward to sort of like end my little shuffling routine <laughs> you you cannot believe how slow like it's i it's slower than i would like normally walk interesting so like a shuffle i was like I was really pushing myself and then I would turn and I'd be like, Oh my God, like, you know, this like, is not very fast. Oh, okay. So you, yeah. So like you had to shuffle really fast, but then when you're walking it, the treadmill is actually moving pretty slow or, or just that I had to put a lot of effort and focus in at least okay. whether I was going fast or not. I was like, I was like, Oh, like, I was like, this is intense. And then I would be like, Oh, it's, it's, it's like, it's barely going. Oh, I see. <laughs> funny man hey maybe you'll get on tour then keep doing it yeah i check my rank every day it doesn't go <laughs> up any but uh <laughs> hey, let's uh in addition to trying to get media credentials let's try and get in a challenger tournament <laughs> what's the lowest rank you can have <laughs> that's a great question how far do they rank up <laughs> let's try and win some like little podunk tournament and get in the u.s open do they do they let you buy people off like in FIFA? <laughs> they do have the they got the wild card option. Maybe we can mail them a check. Yeah. All right, we'll look into it. <laughs> All right, Joe. Joe, take us home. Australian Open. Uh, we hardly knew you. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna channel my uh, channel some Tom Petty here. This is our uh, love letter to the Australian Open. All right, let me get the volume figured out. (laughs) All right, here it goes. It's a good tournament. First slam of the year. It's down under in Australia. It's a good tournament. 
They play a lot of tennis. It's summer in January. (laughs) Joker wins again. That's 10 for him. Andy Murray was there. He's got a metal hip. Good for Sabalenka. She slayed seeds. We gotta see it all at the Aussie Open. It's on Rod. <laughs> Rod Laver. <laughs> it's all on Rod. Rod Laver. Ben Shelton took his first trip abroad and he made it to the quarterfinals. Tommy Paul did him one better. He made it to the semifinals. It's on ride. Rod It's on Rod. Rod Laver. Rod Laver, it's on Rod Laver. Rod Laver, it's, it's on. Rod Laver. I love the Aussie fans. They know how to party. They know how to sink piss. It's easy <laughs> to buy a beer. Hopefully, we'll see you next year. It's on Rod. Rod Laver. <laughs> yeah, it's on Rod. Rod Laver. <laughs> that last verse was an A B C C. Cole, can you mark that down? Have I lost my mind? <laughs> I'm sitting I'm sitting in my basement apartment with my hood up and sunglasses on right now. I'm so nervous. <laughs> that was our love letter to the Aussie Open 2013. Well, the only qualm I have with it is uh, we talked stats, we talked goats, Rod Laver. Uh, you hear his name a lot during the Aussie Open. Yeah, he's a big superstar. Not as much as Roy Emerson because the guy's only got three Australian Opens. Not uh, Can't hold a candle to Roy Emerson's six. Uh, other than that in his career, he has one at Wimbledon and one at French. So nowhere near Djokovic, nowhere near Emerson. 
but they named Rod Laver Arena after him. So that's interesting. <laughs> yeah, well, they had to build the arenas, you know, at a certain time. And whoever was good at that time, that's re- that's when you get an arena named after you. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Joe's going to do the uh, love letter to the French Open. Oh, it's, I, I'm already building my, uh, I've got my accordion ready already. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I'll bring, I'll bring the tambourine. <laughs> All right, Cole, what did, uh, what did we miss and what did we get wrong? <laughs> I am speechless. <laughs> I didn't have anything you guys got wrong. Solid episode all around. You did say that was our love letter to the Australian Open 2013. I think you meant 2023. 2023. Damn it. Maybe you couldn't see the what you wrote down with your sunglasses on. (laughs) Oh, man. A lot of thought went into that. How long did that take you to, to write? So it actually, like picking a song took me a long time. But once I had the song, it, it actually went pretty fast. I would say like uh, like half an hour. But I, I went had... through like a bunch of like different songs and I just couldn't decide. <laughs> what were some of the ones that you were thinking? I was uh, considering Dirks Bentley's uh, Getting Drunk on a Plane. Uh, I was so I looked at some uh, I was I wanted to do like an Australian group and like maybe the Bee Gees, but like. So they've got some great songs, but I just like they would have been really hard to do a do a parody on. You don't have to register for the Bee Gees. <laughs> That's I don't. Dude. I don't have that vocal uh, talent, man. <laughs> All right, catch you guys next time. All right, Love good you episode. Guys. Yeah, Love good you. stuff. Love you, man. See ya. All right. The tennis fundamentals, the serve, the volley, and the smash. This month we are doing tennis. What better way to take advantage of the great weather than with a game of tennis? I've no chance in the match. He's the number one in the world and I'm playing with a metal hit.